Welcome to Sex and the Suburbs, the podcast for moms to talk about sex. I'm Caitlin Magraeus, founder of Be Her Village, and along with me is Heather Simonson, sex therapist and owner of Sea Change Holistic Wellness Center. This podcast is about all the things that don't get talked about. Sex, motherhood, parenting, relationships, and everything in between. All right, Heather, what are we talking about today? We are talking about having sex after having children and what kind of (laughs) impact that having our kids has on our relationships Mm. and our sex lives. Yeah. uh, I mean, a huge one. It, It can't go back. I've like, this is such a funny like topic to talk about because I feel like, like Be Her Village just posted today about like our, our bodies going back, you know, and, and how that's a myth. And I think yes. that there's this idea of like our bodies snapping back and when will our life go back to normal? And I think we need to talk about that with sex too. Like our sex life after kids is never going to be the same, but much like our bodies and much like the way our life looks and feels, maybe it's not supposed to go back. There is way. no going back. Right. This and I don't, there is, it's one. impossible, yeah. number one. And number two, it's a matter of creating an intention and an image um, of what you want it to be like in your future. So, which hopefully is going to be even better than mm. it was before. Yes. That's the idea. Yeah. And one of the things that, I find, I would say, I haven't done the real math, but at least 90% of the time with couples that come to see me for sex therapy, one of the questions we always ask is, when did it change? Mm. And the answer almost always is, when I had a baby. Wow. So is it safe to assume? It's probably not, because every time I say that, the answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) But is it safe to assume that the vast majority of people don't have sexual issues in their relationship before kids? Like some definitely do. Right. I mean, that's I don't want to generalize. I'm sure people do. But I would imagine like most issues in relationships regarding sex happen after the kids come and after the marriage has been for a while. And there's just like this. It's almost like the relationship becomes unrecognizable from the beginning. I guess I, there's a better generalization. Like most people don't come in for sex therapy in the beginning because in the beginning is when it kind of is good. Yeah. And it just happens and it's all really organic and unscheduled and passionate. Oh, it's so It's so good. Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah, I could see how babies <laughs> would would change things babies very and marriage and relationships it doesn't have to be marriage but just by the presumably by the time you've had a baby you've been together more than a year probably and you're just you know things feel really different when you get out of that honeymoon period yes there are many things that contribute to that sometimes it's just the process of being pregnant or even for some to be honest with you birth And that just observing a woman giving birth and seeing everything that's going on all up in there sometimes shifts the perspective of even genitalia or what their partner's role is for self and for their partner. Yeah, and I think some people 
like me anyway, at least the first time I watched a birth, it was like, whoa, our vaginas can do that. That's incredible. So I I think I had this whole new respect for genitalia and the the capabilities besides just like having sex and masturbating. Um, But I would imagine, too, it definitely brings up for some people, maybe triggers them into like some issues that they, you know, feelings about their own mothers and being mothered and having sex with a mother and or any sexual abuse and trauma history. Yes. Birth has this way in motherhood and parenthood, but especially watching and being present for a birth has a way of really revealing all that stuff in a way that when you're not prepared for it, it's happening anyway and you don't have control. It can be really, really emotionally difficult to watch and be present for that and to support your loved one or to be that person giving birth. It's all wrapped up and it surprises me that the only time that people talk about birth and sex in my life is when I'm in a room with you. <laughs> it surprises me, <laughs> which is kind of the whole point of the podcast, yes. right? Is that yeah. is that people are talking about amazing things and I'm so happy to be involved in those conversations, but we're not talking about sex as as it's so wrapped up in all things mothering and birth and parenting and relationships. How How is that piece not discussed? Because we're in a sexually saturated yet completely repressed world. Mm, that's a really interesting juxtaposition. <laughs> but it's true. But it's true. There's sex everywhere. Like, you sex look at commercials. Everything. Like, why are there boobs and butts in those commercials? for like cars and Pepsi and stuff or whatever. And yet, like, I I made some postcards for Be Her Village and they have like a nipple on them and they have, one has a woman with a huge belly and she has like mesh underwear and like some pads, but you can't see anything. It's not, to me, it's not graphic. Can I tell you, we've had complaints from people. Like I'm, order, I'm ordering like conservative postcards. Because the idea of a baby on the nipple, you could just see the areola. You can't even see the nipple. Like, that is a little too racy for people. And I think I'm just so immersed in this world. I am totally out of touch with what normal people, quote unquote normal people, me being not normal. I'm really out of touch with what is acceptable. I I just... I see, and that's we where I would, that. and that's where I would dig my heels in, and maybe that's not the best term to use, and say do it anyway, and that this is how we're going to break the norm. In fact, yeah. when I started to develop my before I rebranded, my company was called Sexuality Education and Counseling Services, mm-hmm. and I consulted with quite a number of people in the field about what the name should be and logo and all of that, right, as we do as entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and I uh, was advised to me by quite a number of people to not use the word sex in my business name, yeah. which I did not listen to, <laughs> and it worked out just fine. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. The, the reason why I... I'm making a conservative postcard. I'm not getting rid of the other ones. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. Um, Is because part of Be Her Village is that we are not trying to be niche. We're not trying to reach the people that already know about doulas and home birth and and supported birth and and motherhood and, and are into it. Like, of course, we're reaching those people and we will reach those people. But I also want to be a space that can draw in 
a crowd that isn't familiar with that and invite them in and reach them in a different it's way. It's about inclusivity. Maybe, maybe not to, with the first postcard that they see. It's about inclusivity <laughs> and it's about, you know, making sure that, you know, you can engage people of, from all walks and, of And life. it's, it really like goes with my philosophy of just meeting people where they are, yes. you know? And so maybe someone is listening to this podcast right now who has picked up a more conservative piece of literature or who has found us in a more conservative place and is having their mind opened and or feeling validated because they've never been able to like verbalize these thoughts or that sort of thing. So it's one of many you know, paths that you have to navigate in and trying to be authentic and also because the authentic self of me is like, let's talk about sex and let's do a podcast about sex because it needs to be talked about and we can't properly support women and properly support mothers and parents without discussing it because we can do all those other services and we can get the babies latched and have the birth doulas and have the massages and yoga and mom friends and, and mental health. But if we don't talk about sex, then we're we're missing a piece of the puzzle. We're missing a very integral piece of the puzzle. And when couples move away, or at least the majority of couples, or even individuals who are coupled, move away from the connection to their sexual self, they oftentimes lose a piece of themselves. Mm. And that's something that I see happen over and over and over again. And so while many, mostly women, who will say things to me all the time, every single week, I'm not going to die without having sex. Mm. Which is technically Which is true. technically true. <laughs> yes, you won't die without sex. But I do believe that a piece of our light gets dimmed mm. without the connection to that sexual part of ourselves. Which I know we've discussed, but I think this is going to be our first released episode. So just for anyone who's listening, that doesn't mean that a piece of you will die or the light in you will dim if you're not having sex with another person. With another person. But more about being in touch with your own sexuality however that looks but yes. it can really look like you by yourself <laughs> just being in touch with yourself both literally and uh philosophic what's the other figuratively yeah yeah cool so i think another piece of or the the picture that sometimes happens when someone even observes somebody giving birth mm. is um that it desexualizes their genitalia mm -hmm. for both the birthing person and if there is a partner that's there. And then you get into if someone's nursing or just even caretaking and your body, whether it's just the energy that we're expending on nurturing and caring for another human or if we are nursing, it feeling like our bodies or at least our breasts kind of belong to our babies. Oh, yeah. that I mean, you're describing me. I loved having my breast be involved in my sexual relationship with my husband. And as soon as I started breastfeeding, it was for me, um, the reason I asked him to just not touch them while we were having sex was because when he would touch them, it would like trigger the mom part of my brain and it would take me away from my time with him. It would make mm -hmm. me feel it was kind of the same sensation of breastfeeding. It was just like, oh, this isn't what I want i'd rather them just be for breastfeeding and have all the other parts be for you know the fun stuff so for almost six years well i breastfed for almost six years across three kids that's a long time it was a really long time yeah it's like i'm in this new phase of my life where like my boobs stay in my shirt in public <laughs> and it's like huh 
that's weird because for six years they were just out and it was it was so a normal. Yeah, it was so normal for me. I think I was like super modest about it in the beginning. And then at the end of the breastfeeding relationship, I was just like flopping a breast out whenever a child might be walking by and would want it. Um, but then even after I weaned my third baby, there was a little period there where I was like just not ready for them to be involved. I needed to like get desensitized from breastfeeding. And then I was like, okay, it's go time. And now they're back in and it's so lovely, but it was. And how long do you think that that desensitization period took for you? It was like probably six months to a year. It was a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. It wasn't instant though. So just just imagine all the people who are not you. Yeah. Who are not in touch with themselves in this way, who do not do this type of work. And that is wanting and willing to talk about it all, even when people don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's a very real thing. And then what happens is that partners feel like they're being neglected. Mm-hmm. And feel as though... Which they might be, which, also. They might feel like that because they are. But it's because of the circumstances of the situation. But I don't know that I would call it neglect. No? I don't think I would. I don't think I would call it neglect. I think that our energy is expended elsewhere. Yes. And that our, our, if you will, as the five love languages might call it, the love tank needs to be filled in other ways for for the birthing woman to be able to refill her energy right like how how is she being nurtured and that's very much part of your mission with be her village right like Absolutely. how is she being nurtured how is she being supported we should change the be her village mission so that every single woman has all the support she needs asterisk so her love tank is full and she can have a great sex life <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so build your village so you will have energy left for the fun stuff. That's exactly it. And there are lots of different ways to do that, right? Like by having people help clean your home or make meals for you or help with, you know, taking care of a baby while you can catch a nap or ensuring that you can get your exercise on or whatever it is. And part of it is being able to tune in because each person is so individual, again, going to the, into the love languages, that everybody needs something different. Mm-hmm. And so it's part of the, the support people in our lives role to be able to figure out what that really is. Because what we wind up doing is we show support and love, quote unquote, in ways that we really want to be loved. Mm-hmm. And that's the default. And so that may not always translate. So what's one thing that happens all the time when working with couples is that they say, but I'm doing all of this work or I'm cleaning all the time or I'm, you know, buying them gifts or I'm, but that may not be the love language of that person and it doesn't feel like they are being nurtured. And so it's really tuning in to the woman themselves and being able to say, what is it that I really need and what does make me feel nurtured? And then being able to say what it is that you need and then having the people in their lives really hear that and really meet them where they're at. That's amazing. Let's do it. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit. I think this that was such a great discussion to have, but I also want to get to one of the things, one of our goals for this episode which was to talk about um, 
timing of sex, having the logistics, maybe I should say, of having sex with children, you know, because we can talk, I think, in like larger themes of like what parenthood looks like and what sex looks like as a parent. But also let's talk about like, how do you have sex when kids are awake? (laughs) How do you have sex when you don't have a babysitter? How do you get a babysitter just to have sex? How do you have sex during quarantine when there's children around all the time? How, how do we do it, Heather? Can you share? There are, I mean, there really are lots of different ways and there's really no one size fits all, right? So one way that people don't really like to think about is to schedule it. And because of the way that things quote unquote used to be during that honeymoon passion filled Mm -hmm. phase, that it was all organic and just kind of happened spur of the moment, that's not always or even often the case as much anymore when you have children in the home and so scheduling it is one way that couples can connect and have something to look forward to they can use it as foreplay to kind of know when it's coming up for them and one of the things that we talk about often is remembering back when it was like that, right? Mm. So when you first started dating, right? And I remember when I first started dating my partner too. You made a date, yeah, right? You scheduled something, you made a plan, you set a time, maybe a place or who was going to pick up who or if you were going to meet. And you got ready. And what did ready Involved, showered, showered. Got the basics going. Maybe on. shave if you're a shaver. Yeah, maybe heels, you brush your teeth. Brush hair, heels, cute outfit. You prepare. Nice bra, makeup. Yeah. Right. Oh my god, I forget. At the very <laughs> least, maybe you'll have like things. a breath mint or like something on right. hand, right? Or on you spray style, a little cologne, or you put a little deodorant on. But you're gonna do at the least. I would brush my hair and teeth. Right? Exactly. At the very least, right? Because not everybody uses deodorant. Not everybody shaves. So that's, you know, an an important part of the the picture here to be all-inclusive. Right. Right? But we do things typically, especially in the beginning, to get ready. And we plan for it. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the excitement. And can you remember the butterflies and the the excitement and, like, you know, the tingling that you would get of, like, the anticipation of, like, getting ready to go and meet this person? Dating is so much fun. Dating is so much fun. I love dating. Right? Like, I don't like the dating where you're, like, hoping you find you're gonna find the person when you're actually like dating a person that you're into and it's magic and it's oh it just feels so good and we forget about that yeah when we're together we're in a long-term relationship when we have kids we tend to let go of dating Mm -hmm. and dating doesn't always need to be outside the home we need to find creative ways to be able to date each other even Mm. in home even if the kids are there even if it's during the day so that's and awake. So that's the answer then to how do we actually connect with and have sexual interactions with our partner with children is to date. Whether that's get a babysitter and leave the house or it's just like put a special movie on for your kids and lock your door and have a date or it's like just pick a time even without the sex like just pick a time that you're not cooking and you're you're ordering in a special meal after the kids could I mean you can make it look 
Any which way. Any which way. You yeah. can put some music on and just dance in your living room. I said mm-hmm. that to someone this week and they just laughed out loud at me because they were like, yeah, you do not want to see me dance. But Aww. you can play game. Yeah. You can play cards. My husband and I play ping pong in the I remember garage you told me that. You after can the play, kids go to I sleep. love it's that. so good. We put music on and we go in the garage and we just have so much fun. And we feel, because we did that when we were dating, we still have the same table. It's like this little mini ping pong oh, table. So that. it like really... And the competitive energy, whew, that gets us going that's, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's foreplay for sure. Right? And so, like, it doesn't have to look a certain way. You can get little decks of cards. I have some even in my office that, like, one of them is even the five love languages um, author. Um Mm, who I'm forgetting the name for. oh Gary Chapman Gary Chapman who's who made the five love languages right so but there are all different kinds of cards that are out there so if you're not really sure like order a deck of cards like that and it gives you little questions mm. to kind of get to know each other we had a game like that we had like a sexual game yeah it was like a sexual board game I don't remember what we did with it but I remember in Astoria well before children we would like have it on my bed and we would play it and it was it was just fun. It was fun. just like an extra layer the idea, of yeah. fun. And we need I love to have fun. fun. We need to yes. have more fun. Yes. Even after babies Adults are born. Adults need play. They need it. It's essential. Mm. And it's how we learn. And it's how we interact. And oh, it just feels good. And it's how oftentimes we create. And have to remember mm. that our creative energy is the same as our sexual energy. And so the more we can get into that creative mode, whether it's on our own or even with our, you know, lover, then it's going to help to kind of get things flowing a bit. When you told me that for the first time, it blew my mind, but it made so much sense. I was like, I don't understand it, but be her village. I'm creating this whole thing. And my husband and I were having G-spot orgasms and life-changing sex. And you're like, that's the same thing is happening there it's all the same energy and I was like oh yes I get it I get it so one way is really to plan and again I know it seems unspontaneous but there is a flip side to that of like that's foreplay and Mm. that leads me to another thought about foreplay which Mm. for many women foreplay isn't about grabbing her breast or grabbing her butt or in fact, for many women, it actually turns them off. And I'm just speaking from what I'm told, okay? <laughs> Slash experience for yourself. <laughs> for, for sure, that is not a turn on for me yeah, and my partner just a little definitely ass grab knows. Or a boob squeeze. Sometimes like, people I mean it's like that stereotypical picture of like the woman standing yeah. at the sink and the That's partner coming up behind them and yeah. like just grabbing them. I think I've heard maybe one time one time that um, a woman has liked that and everybody else has always said that that is not something that they, that works for them. So with that said, foreplay very oftentimes is emotional foreplay. Mm. And so getting into a space where we're really creating that emotional connection and that could be like, you know, sending a little text or leaving a post-it note in, in the pocket or anything like that. So we really need to start switching our gears toward what is really emotional foreplay and how we can start that in the beginning of our day when we're maybe not even together. And then that, that energy kind of travels throughout the day. But one of the things that you were mentioning before was daytime sex. Daytime sex. Because I think that, at least for me, certainly, but I think for a lot of people, probably 
that we have this feeling of like waiting until the kids are down and to have sex with our partners and for me when the kids are down i am like 20 you're ready to go down down too and i don't have any energy and sometimes that's okay and that's just like how we have sex and we call it like sleepy time sex and we just go and we have sex and it's great and then i fall asleep very quickly and it's just it's how we finish our day and it's like better than not having sex but I really love daytime sex and, and like not showing the kids TV all day and then putting a movie on for them and locking the door and going and like, it's just, it's so fun to That's have amazing. our own time when we're full of energy and we're full of time and attention for each other. And I think people should do that more. I think it's like something to, if you're not already having sex during the daytime, try it because it can just open a new avenue. It's not what you have to do every time, but... But try it, right? Like, just try something new. And, try something and new. Go in the works. laundry room. Go in the bathroom. Go in the bedroom. I'm not a huge advocate of throwing kids in front of the TV, even though I, oh, you know, I truth, truth be told, <laughs> my kids are very connected to their, their <laughs> electronics, especially since COVID. Yeah. Okay. But when it comes to this kind of thing, throw a movie on. Make it special. Yeah. Ask if, you know, they can have a play date with a neighbor. Have them go play, be playing in their room, or put out a book on tape, or give them a project to do that that you don't that doesn't need any supervision. Which and it could take sometimes, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Which for many women, truth be told, is not usually oftentimes enough, enough time to, to actually peak. Um, but for men, the average time is about three or four minutes. So and not to say that we should be catering to them, but it's just a time to connect and, like you said, be playful. And I want to just add in that even if you're not having sex and you're not going to try to have sex during the daytime, it's good to just have 15 minutes away from your kids and have them know how to be in the house for 15 minutes without you. Within reason, obviously, for their age ranges. It's But even for like a two or three year old, if you can get them into a safe place and you can get the baby down for a nap at the, at the same time, it's doable. And I think it's a goal that we should set for our listeners, maybe a little homework for them. Great idea. To find, um, find time to have sex during the day with your kids home. Or let me even phrase it a little wider than that, because, you know, maybe how about just find a time to have sex with your kids awake at some point at, and see how that feels, because they don't have to be home. Find time to do it during their waking hours. During our waking hours. During our waking (laughs) hours and their waking hours. And see how it goes. See how it feels. And report back to us. Tell us. Report back. You can email us. Caitlin at Be Her Village. Heather at Sea Change Holistic Wellness Center. We'll probably throw together an email for these types of things. You can also uh, tag us on Instagram or send us a message at Be Her Village or see change holistic wellness center um and yeah let us know how it goes we want to see awesome and i just before we go i just want to just put out there that having sex does not need to mean that you're having intercourse Mm. so that this is really about like being sexually intimate and so that could be with yourself or another with yourself or another exactly i love it i like this kind of homework this is the kind of schooling i can get behind And that's what we have sex in the suburbs for. I love it. Thank you so much, Heather. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Catch you next time on Sex and the Suburbs.